This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit, you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willard for letting us use his music at our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing. Welcome to the 479th episode of the Misdirected Mark Podcast. Tonight we gather to discuss world domination. No, Jerry. That meeting's tomorrow. Today, we're talking about evil organizations in your tabletop RPGs. Really? Because where I had it in my calendar. There it is. Tomorrow, world domination planning. Sorry about that. And you already said what we're about to say, so my name is Jerry. I also have some domination planning in my schedule, That's though. A different kind. Sorry. My name's Phil. I'm Chris, and I have no designs on taking over the world unless it has to do with video and podcasting. Oh, I wasn't talking about taking over the world. Oh, well, that's that's different. And I guess I'm old man Logan, and I have absolutely zero. Who made it awkward? Me. Zero plans for domination of any kind. <laughs> they have a name for that. Vanilla? Sub. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, welcome back to the Misdirected Mark podcast. Um, <laughs> let's dive into our temperature check. See how everybody's feeling. That's Bridget. If you see her on video, hi Bridget. Hi Bridget. Hi, Bridget. Hi, Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, how are you feeling? I'm fine. Um, today was a little rough, but we'll get to that later. Uh, I'm good. Like uh, exercising, keeping keeping healthy. Today was a bit of a, a nightmare with sleep stuff, but. That that's like I said, I'll talk about that later in the after show. Tune into the after show on our Patreon, please do. Anyways, yeah, I'm good. Like I feel great because I'm doing this for the second week in a row. And this is fun. I'm having a great time. So, Bob, what about you? So uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I would say probably a good solid B plus A minus right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, obviously, you know, there's some things in the world still kind of dragging on stuff, but other than that. Physically feeling pretty good, mentally feeling pretty good. Now, the world's still a trash fire, but I'm good. It's not, go, it's not going away anytime soon. Okay. No. Jerry, how you feeling? Well, actually, doing pretty well. Got some good sleep this weekend because we had our holiday weekend. Just looking forward to a good show. Phil? I think I'm trailing somewhere. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm doing all right now. I had a little ups and downs over the weekend. I had a really good day Saturday, and then I was kind of like a little up and down on Sunday. Uh, but mostly by Monday, like mental health-wise leveled out. Physically, I'm feeling fine. Got a little bit of the uh, espresso depressos on part of Saturday, but or I'm part of Sunday, but I imagine late Sunday and into early Monday, but I imagine I turned it around physically. Like I said, I'm doing fine. So, uh, and I'm fine today other than a quick turnaround, having to get home from work, eat something and get over here, which is a lot harder when I have to go to work. It was, uh, office stuff, man. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's easier when I work from home. I just start dinner early. I just start dinner while I'm finishing up my day. Sure. Bob's like, Bob texts me. He's like, I'm on my way home and I'm on your way over. And I'm like, oh man, I'm like, I have nothing done. I haven't even like Mm -hmm. changed from my work clothes yet. Like it was a thing. Anyway, it's fine. We're all here. So cool. Um, we have, we have no, uh, I do. I have an announcement. Oh, see, well, it's not on the thing. I know. I'm sorry. I forgot to put it on there. We make YouTube videos now. Yes. You're listening to this in podcast form, but you can go to YouTube slash misdirected mark to see some pretty hilarious stuff and informational things too. To be clear, when you see the YouTube stuff, it is only a fraction of the actual podcast. Correct. So yes. what you're going to see for people who've been listening to the show for a while, you're going to see on YouTube video of the first half of the main segment. Mm-hmm. So the, the main segment right up, like just before the break, that's like, that's always been when we do workshops and things like that, that's been our informational section. Yep. So that piece we are now encapsulating for video content. Yep. 
Uh, if you want the conversational pieces, which include things like our temperature check, the conversation corner, the second half of the episode, which is always like the round table or something like that, that you still need the podcast for. Mm-hmm. Yes. The YouTube videos will be highly edited. Yeah. Yes. We're branching into video. Trying to keep yes. them into that 10 to fi- in the, into that around 15 minute range. Yeah. Yeah, which I have no idea based on the um, video that we did today. It was. It'll be around 15 minutes. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be the interesting part. Yeah. Glad to me will be the magic part because it was about an hour's worth of recording that will shrink to 15 minutes because there were four of us. So that sounds about right. Plus, oh. if you want to hear Bob talk about the sloth <laughs> and a lot of other things. Not sloth. The slore. The slore. The slore. The slore and other things. Anyway, that'll show up, right? It'll, it'll show, show up. The traveler. Actually, yeah. I've been listening to other podcasts talk about production and they said four to one is a pretty good ratio. So it's not bad. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yes. So YouTube videos is going to be a thing. You'll see it on YouTube, like I said. And um, if you like it, like, you know, click the like button, subscribe, subscribe all of those things. Yes. Like Please, it is trying to get to a thousand subscribers. Yeah. There's some things we'd like to do. Um, and we're balancing the fact that we want to move some of our content into video. While at the same time, we've always been a podcast. We want to still reach out to people who are listening to us in your car, on your daily walk, your run, your workout, whatever. Still want to be there for you for that. But if you also like to consume YouTube videos, come check us out. Yep. And, you know, pass along to your friends. Please do. Please do. Like 999 of them. Well, we have like 350 subscribers already. So we only need like 650. So look, okay. just if you could just 650 of your friends and then we're all hooked look, up. If, if every one of you out there tells two friends. We're good. And they, they tell, tell two, two friends, friends and, and they so tell on. Two. And so well, on. Well, that really leads so well into on. our next, uh, our main topic. <laughs> By the way, for you youngins, that's a commercial from the 1970s. Yeah, for a hair product. Yes. I was thinking about how it's a pyramid scheme. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a 70 shampoo commercial. Yeah, it is, yes. <laughs> all right. Well, Brett, it was a Breck. Breck shampoo? Maybe I'm looking right. it up. I Go think ahead. we should move on to our main segment. We should probably move on to the main segment. It's an adversary file about the evil organization. Take it, guys. Evil organizations are a staple of action-adventure stories. They're expansive, multi-headed groups that heroes fight against again and again. The villains are many, the schemes are devious, their reach is far-reaching? Huh, couldn't figure out anything better than that, huh? All right. And the goal is setting domination. The Syndicate and Mission Impossible, the Umbrella Corporation of Resident Evil, and VirtuCon Industries are just a few examples found in media. Are we holding the world ransom for $1 million? Seriously, that's not much money. Maybe $100 billion. That's a better number, and thank you for noticing the reference, Jerry. I appreciate that. Today we'll be going over evil organizations' adversaries in your campaigns, what they consist of, why we might want to use them in our games, and how they can oppose our PCs. To start... Let's define some terms to help us all get on the same page. I cede the floor to you, Definition Panda. Behold! You are in the presence of Definition Panda. For this conversation, we'll be using this definition for the evil organization. A vast, well-funded group of people with a particular purpose, often to take over the world or end the world as it's currently known. In gaming, this is to take over the setting that we're using. We'll also define enterprise tonight, since it's going to come up a lot. An enterprise is a smaller group of people within that evil organization that have their own goals. These groups always contribute to the larger goal of the evil organization, regardless if the enterprise knows or doesn't know what they're contributing to. With that, we'll move to stage two of our plan to dominate the world, or at least let us make and use evil organizations in our games. When we ask the question, what makes up an evil organization, 
We came up with seven parts, which we now present to you in no particular order. Leadership. This is the person or council that oversees the operations of the organization. They can be highly visible or hidden from the general members of the organization and the general population of the game setting. A couple of examples are the Sass Tarn of the Red Wizards of Thay and the Light from Young Justice. These organizations have a wide reach with their various enterprises extending to cover the entire setting of the game. The Light's members in Young Justice include Lex Luthor and his various business interests across the world and his global political affiliations. Vandal Savage and his political associations with off-world entities and cosmic forces, and Black Manta for a time, which gave the light a hold on the regions of Earth beneath the sea. A variety of enterprises. The evil organization has various enterprises within the organization which always have an evil bent to them, or at least plan on doing something nefarious with the enterprise's results. These enterprises can range from being terrible on the surface to looking positive to the general population, but still contribute to the goal of setting domination in the long run. Lastly, these enterprises provide various resources and opportunities to achieve the goals of the evil organization. An international criminal organization would have a variety of enterprises contributing to their domination of the crime world. This could include drug trafficking, smuggling, theft, counterfeiting, blackmail, kidnapping, pyramid schemes, lawyers to help with any legal trouble, and troubleshooters to shoot trouble. Structure. The way the enterprises are ordered along with how the leadership oversees that arrangement of enterprises provide the evil organization structure. There are many ways to do this. Web maps, the conspiracy, organizational charts, or an NCAA tournament bracket. Oh, hold on, hold on. That's a, that's a big org. 64 plus 32 plus 16 plus 8 plus 4 plus 2 plus 1. That is a lot of enterprises. I prefer 1 plus 2 plus 2 plus 1, but good point. It might be wise not to use a tournament bracket. But if you did this and it goes for any other structure you use, you don't have to fill out every part of it right away. You can leave some spots blank to fill in later. The structure does do a few things for you. Number one, it gives the players a potential roadmap for the characters to follow through the evil organization. Secondly, let's see the chain of command of the evil organization so that things farther away from the leadership tend to be less important than things closer up to the top. It also allows you to see connections between those different enterprises, which can spur your creative ideas. Just ask yourself how these two enterprises interact, if at all. The organization should have a reason for taking over the setting. It could be as mundane as to exert control over the setting because they desire peace and order in the galaxy, or it could be more intricate. Say the evil organization knows an alien invasion is coming to attack Earth, and their purpose in taking over the Earth is to provide a united front and save humanity from extinction. A set of ideals crafted and handed down by the leadership. These ideals might not be part of every enterprise in the evil organization, but should be in most of them. They can provide flavor for scenes, motivation for NPCs, a foundational piece for you to lean on when you're building scenarios with your players to deal with, and can be used to subvert expectations. Some common ideals evil organizations utilize are power through strength, advancement through success, ambition paired with success is valuable, empathy in lieu of moving the organization's goals forward is considered weakness. The ends justify the means. A common subversion of the ideals of an evil organization is the concept of honor. Honor among thieves and being honorable to worthy opponents. Those all sound like great motivational posters. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Power through strength, advancement through success. I've been in companies that work like that. <laughs> Every good organization needs minions because you need plenty of people to carry out the grunt work outside of the organization's leadership group. Plus, You'll want some minions who are trying to work their way into the leadership group from below. 
It also gives characters people to punch, kick, flip, subvert, turn, talk to, grill for information, or hate kiss along the way. The nameless, faceless soldiers, cultists, foot soldiers, stormtroopers, hordes of humanoids, whatever that compromise the bulk of your evil organization's forces, along with those named minions who play that middle manager role or fill that specialist job. Like your best troubleshooter who shoots trouble, or your top lawyer who gets everyone they defend out of a sentence, or that scientist who keeps innovating on your drug production system, creating higher quality or better processes for your evil organization's drugs. Plus, you know, banana! Resources. Organizations of this size have a vast amount of resources, such as weapons, vehicles, bases, safe houses, love nests, websites, bunkers, apples, and bananas. Really, if they need it, they probably have it, have some way to produce it, some way to get it, or a scheme or enterprise which will acquire it for them. Why apples and bananas? I'm just kind of hungry. Oh, thanks. Now, let's throw some examples out there. So, Cobra from G.I. Joe. Cobra! Hydra from Marvel Comics. They had their hands in every other organization for a while. Pinky in the brain. Chris, why is this here? They wanted to take over the world. But they're only two people. They don't count. But they're pinky. They're pinky and the brain, 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 brain. You just wanted to sing that. I'm ignoring you now. Spectre from James Bond. The Light from Young Justice. The Red Wizards of Thay from the Forgotten Realms, as well as the Shadavar, who were Netherese until they went into the Shadowfell. But then they were infused by darkness for a long time and came out somewhere between goth and emo punk rockers. Phil. Why don't you take us into the next section? There's a lot to like here, starting with giving us repeatable campaign villains. This is a huge villain group, so they can just keep coming back to cause the character's problems. Take this huge villain group a step further by giving your organization a theme like Cobra, and your evil organization's enterprises and minions can be variations on that theme. Below being a huge organization, if you've created those seven pieces from above, you'll always have this foundation to build opposition from instead of a blank slate. It'll help you be more efficient with your prep since you're not creating from scratch and also with consistency in your game because the adversaries are the same while giving you the chance to make some of them different in certain ways. It also solves the problem of putting the bad guy in front of the characters early. If they kill a boss from an organization's enterprise, there's a bunch more that can show up for any number of reasons. To take over the dead guy's enterprise, to seek revenge on the characters, to be the next adversary in the chain of enterprises that characters are working through, to be that troubleshooter who shoots trouble, trouble being the characters, of course. I also believe this makes it less contrived than Baroness Von Badass, Baron Von Badass's twin sister, showing up to pick up the BBEG mantle. I'd like to mention how an evil organization simplifies things for the players, giving them a singular antagonist to focus on while the GM still has a variety of antagonists to bring into the game and a place to always return to for consistency of storytelling. The structure also provides a nice roadmap to follow when creating connections between enterprises, scenarios based on those enterprises, and the connections between them. This even allows the campaign to be followed to a conclusion. Once the PCs get to the leadership of the evil organization and defeat them, the campaign is potentially over. Of course, someone else can step into that power vacuum and assume the leadership role of the organization. And the last thing we want to mention is that you can use the previous types of adversaries inside of this adversary. The Mastermind, Hunter Collector, and Juggernaut can be named minions of the organization or on the leadership council. Factions can splinter off, creating divisions within the organization. Fanatics fit the true believer role for the ideology the organization pushes forward. Don't forget the time traveler. What are you talking about? Oh, never mind. That hasn't happened yet. 
Okay. What's going on? You know what? Let's just move on. We'll catch him eventually. Besides, Bob's got a spawn on. He's just finished putting a pin in it. We stop that right now. If you embrace the space-time continuum, let's talk about utilizations and our PC's opposition. As opposition, they make excellent primary campaign villains. They're large with multiple members, a variety of enterprises, and these enterprises have smaller goals they're working towards achieving, which are all things for the PCs to deal with. They have multiple people in leadership roles, allowing for a variety of opponents for the PCs to face off against. Then there's opportunities for the antagonist team up. A couple different enterprises can get wind of the character shenanigans, and it's time to shut down some troublemakers together. Power hates a vacuum, and something or someone will fill it. This means someone new will take over the leadership position, or a former leader will reorganize the structure in some way. It really just means something's going to change the evil organization in some way. This is actually a great time to shift a few things. The trick with reorganizing is making sure the evil org is still familiar, but has just one or two things different to it. Maybe their ideals changed, or the reason they're taking over the world is different, which changes how they operate. It's good to think about those things and get ready to highlight them when the PCs run into this new version of your evil organization so that they can feel the difference. For example, the First Order was not just the Empire with the serial numbers filed off, but also they still kind of feel like the Empire. A good chunk of this stuff means the players have multiple avenues to pursue. It also provides an enemy that everyone can unite against, even other enemies of the PCs, so that you can have one of those enemy of my enemy moments. Then there's the question of, can this organization be defeated? Our campaign PCs will defeat the various enterprises' minions and even some of its leaders repeatedly, but it's worth considering the question of how and can this organization be defeated, especially if the characters decide they want to pursue that. In the case of G.I. Joe, they never defeat Cobra. But in the case of Star Wars, the Empire is technically defeated. That is true. And if the organization can be defeated, this is probably the ending of your campaign. If you don't want it to be the end, then you need to decide what will rise from it. Because the evil organization is so big, the PCs shouldn't be able to solve everything that comes up. That means the evil organization is going to win sometimes just because the characters don't have a chance to interfere. These wins for the organization can and should impact your setting. With multiple enterprises, this means you, you can have multiple story arcs going on at the same time, and it provides a lot of options for that session creation. You can have one-off enemies with small goals, or short arcs with smaller groups and enterprises within the organization, or parallel enterprises within the organization working together to achieve their particular goals. Evil organizations fit quite well into the primary campaign opposition role. They do take a little bit of work to set up, but once you've done it, you have a great resource to build out your sessions and scenarios from. It's a classic with a lot of examples in media if you need some inspiration, and it can help solve a lot of antagonist generation just by the nature of the structure and the ideas it can help generate. Plus, if you're a fan of the previous adversary files, they fit right inside this one. That's our segment on evil organizations. Stick around and we'll get into building one from scratch right here. But first, let's talk about another show in the Misdirected Mark Network. You know what you should do when you're not listening to Misdirected Mark? You should listen to Pandas Talking Games. They are absolutely fabulous. They are two queer gamers talking about tabletop role-playing games and making outtakes, very hilarious outtakes. Join us every Wednesday. Ooh, so we're going to join Phil and Sunday every Wednesday so where they answer listener questions about playing, running, and designing tabletop role-playing games? I mean, 
I want to go to the Bamboo Lounge, get cozy, and talk about some games with them all the time. We recently moved the drop date for the show. That's fair. All right. Well, now that we're done with that, why don't we get into talking about evil organizations and maybe build one in the process? So real quick, a couple of things, a couple of pieces of business. Uh, first of all, to go back to our sell to friends thing, that was uh, Fabergé Organics. Let's just look that up. Anyway. You had to wait a long time to get that payoff there, folks. Thank you. You think I did. And yet... <laughs> Nonlinear podcasting. Nonlinear podcasting. Yeah. Anyway, um, I did want to bring up before we jump into building an evil organization. A few weeks ago, we talked about factions. Uh, and tonight we talked about enterprises. We and did. I want to contrast those two because a faction is something that breaks away from the main group where the enterprise is in support of the main group. So if you wind up with an evil organization and they're becomes a faction that faction could likely be an ally or helper or maybe they're just also against the main group and then you've got the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing yep so anyway i just wanted to bring that up because it ties into a past episode and if you know people are listening along i didn't want people to confuse enterprise and faction from uh, each other i'll tell you what my favorite faction is in in uh, storytelling it's the faction that was an enterprise that didn't realize they're working for an evil organization discovers they're working for an evil organization and then flips yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking, like, in the case of G.I. Joe, right, like, one of the enterprises, oddly enough, is the Dreadnoughts. Mm -hmm. Like, the Dreadnoughts are completely, like, kind of their own thing reporting to Zartan, who then reports to Cobra Commander, but they're just their thing. And then, at one point, Storm Shadow had the Red Ninjas, like, that was a thing, and then yep. he flipped completely out of that organization. But whatever. Because and they nothing all, and, says stealth like a bunch of red ninjas led by a ninja dressed entirely in white. Listen, if you are a ninja in G.I. Joe comics, it doesn't matter what you wear, you won't be seen. Like, that's the <laughs> thing. Uh, and the other thing I just wanted to mention about Cobra, Cobra also used to dabble in pyramid schemes. Yes. Like, in the, co in the comics, that's actually where Cobra Commander started, was in pyramid schemes. <laughs> that's hilarious. It's a thing, there's it a totally thing about, yeah. there's a thing about Larry Hama's run of the G.I. Joe comics where uh, he tells you who the bad people are in the 80s because Cobra Commander is like a failed businessman who is running a pyramid scheme. The twins are corporate raiders. Mm -hmm. The Baroness is European elite. And Destro is a weapons dealer, yep. part of the military industrial yep. complex. He lays out for you who all the bad people in the 80s are. Yes. <laughs> By the way, those are some great examples of enterprises inside of an evil organization. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Cool. So we're going to build an evil let's, organization, let's right? Let's do it. So I, I, we have nothing prepared for this. No, it's fine. We're good at this. Yeah. I, I have a question. Past or present, we need a game in which we can build our evil organization so we have some framework to work around. That's a good idea. So um, what do we got? What games, what games have we played? Don't ask me. I'll go straight to fantasy. So no, it's fine. Why don't we do an evil organization? We've all played some of the airy peaks. Yeah. I mean, we can do the, no, no, we should make one. Yeah, and then you can just one. take it and stick it into your next Airy Peaks. Yeah, let's game. make one inside yeah. the Airy Peaks. Okay. Totally screw people. So, so for the people who aren't familiar, the Airy Peaks is a it's, it's underworld campaign setting. Uh, the Airy Peaks is a mountain range way far in the north where a dragon named Itog once existed. Then he vanished 50 years ago. 20 years later, adventurers started going up there to see what happened to the dragon. They found many, many caves and caverns hollowed out with much, much treasure and many, many monsters. A little town sprung up there called Foot, and then it became an adventurer's paradise or death trap. That's yes. the Airy Peaks. Yes, right. yes, nice. Yes, we've all, I think we've all adventured there. Enjoy your funhouse dungeon. Yeah. Is that, yes. Sort of. So avoiding the obvious, which is like take over everything. What's the goal of this evil org? I have an idea for one. I do too. Okay. What do you got? I've got 
some sort of, of overlord who is trying to unite the various smaller factions of, of creatures within the Eerie Peaks to make an evil civilization that can thrive there away from good civilization undermining foot using the adventurers that are there to for their own gains that sort of thing what have you got i've got a collaboration between a group of evil humans in the town of foot which is outside the airy peaks and some monsters in the airy peaks where they are basically uh, making money by giving bad information and selling faulty equipment to adventurers sending them in to a certain part of the airy peaks where where the monsters then pick them apart so why don't we just combine both of those ideas together, right? It's easy enough because we'll say that there is like an orc warlord chieftain that brought his, his whole orc tribe down here. They generally hang out in this place called the Bones and they made a deal with a bunch of humans inside, which for money, because humans are, these humans are greedy. They, sure, sure. They, that's like commerce is like one of their main motivations. And together they've been collecting smaller groups of people inside the Airy Peaks to help with this scheme. That is just one part of the enterprise to create this monstrous civilization. Like the killing of these adventurers is raising money for the orcs greater plans. Yes, because then they can just recycle the equipment. Or also, oh, oh, go ahead. ahead, Because money is obvious and easy. Uh What if they are capturing the adventurers for a large scale sacrifice? Oh, I like that. I was gonna. Yeah, I, I was yeah. going to go with the soul thing anyway. So yeah, that's yeah. Perfect. So let's like because money's so easy, right? Money's like so let's, easy. like money's money. Like that's what the humans get for selling out people. That's easy, right? The orcs just like the orcs just give the money away because that's got nothing to do with like Jerry said their greater plan of building yeah. a real evil organization. But they need spirits to what? So if they can pull off this ritual with enough souls, then they become uh, super uber elite orcs that are pretty much unstoppable. And then they could secure the bones as their homeland. Not just the bones, but the major- a good chunk of the Eerie Peaks. Because right. they, like, they have the bones. Now they can expand farther. I got to tell you, the leftist in me is like, is this evil? <laughs> like, No, because I'm, in my mind, the orcs were displaced anyway. Yeah, so they're just like, this is, we're just angry and we're going to take our land back, pretty much. Yeah, but stealing people's souls against their will is not good. No, that's true. Also, being murdered and slaughtered, also not good either. And let's also say humans. that their plan is once they get control of the Eerie Peaks, it's not going to go good for anyone else no, no, no like they're not looking for peace they're looking for like we said in our in the top half they're looking for complete domination the airy peaks is there is going to be the stronghold by which they will seize the land surrounding yeah, them. because yeah. they can seize the airy peaks you know based on what i said before that there's lots of resources inside of the area exactly and it's like a mecca for monsters and adventurers so yep. so here's here's where i want to pause for a second because i want to just backtrack to what we did so in this brainstorming one we combined a couple <laughs> ideas that's Always excellent. Yep. Then we moved from what is kind of easy and obvious, the money angle. Mm -hmm. We moved it to something a little cooler and a little more sinister because making money versus stealing souls Mm -hmm. is a much clearer, like that's definitely evil, stealing souls. But then the thing we did was, and I jokingly said, like the leftist in me thought this was like, you know, maybe not so bad. Mm -hmm. But in order to make it a real evil organization, we had to actually move it past a point where it wasn't just, oh, the orcs are looking for a homeland. It's, oh, once they do this, they turn the Airy Peaks into a stronghold on which they can then march everywhere else. I guess the point of that, like the evolution of that whole thing is that what we did was we took it from obvious and easy. We wanted to make it more evil Mm -hmm. because we wanted, like we really, in this case, uh, and this is, I think, a thing of the Airy Peaks, 
while humans are probably gray and shady, there's some real evil shit inside that mountain. There is. So yes. it is okay for whatever opposition we create inside the Airy Peaks to be like real evil. Yeah, if you were a game master that's running the Airy Peaks, the Airy Peaks just draws evil to it. Yes. I mean, thusfully, Itog was terrible and his influence lingers over that whole thing and it draws all manner of bad stuff that mm-hmm. like that currently live, lives in it and things that seek it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we actually did some other things with that too. We've already answered a bunch of the questions that we need to answer. Like those seven parts that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Like we know who runs it now. Yep. It is this or, or warlord. Yep. And maybe they have a council that, that works with them, but they're, they're really in charge. So we have a singular leader. Yep. Uh, we know what the goal of the evil organization is. Yeah. They are to dominate this area, like set up their base. We have like, we have short, mid and long-term goals. Our long-term yep. goal is like dominate this base, the operations to like, mm-hmm proceed for their conquest. Yep, absolutely. We know how they're going to achieve their goal. Uh, several ways that they're going to achieve their goal. Generate resources through like money and whatnot. We got the shilling of, of, of rubes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then we have like the sacrifice of adventurers for power and then there will be an unstoppable fighting force. Those are our rubes, right? The adventurers. Yeah, the adventurers of the rubes. Because real savvy adventurers that have been in the peaks for a while won't interact with these like bad treasure maps or whatever because they have their own, like they, they start to build their own knowledge of, of the peaks. But Part of the setting is that people constantly show up to make their fortune. It's like it's like the gold rush. Mm-hmm. So people show up like with, you know, their dad's old sword and like, I'm going adventuring. I'm going to make a fortune. And then they get like slaughtered inside yeah. the case. I'm going to bring up one more thing. If we wanted to drift one more time, we could drift off of orcs, right? Like sure. orcs sometimes get that reputation yeah. of like always evil. Pick a bad guy. I mean, it could be the it could be those dwarves. It could be halflings. Halflings are noble and war, they, like they, fierce warriors. Yeah, I know that's what you think. <laughs> they could be a, a whole different. Halflings? In the Airy Peaks? Yes, my character met many halflings, all of them Two fierce of them. warriors. Two of them, and they were both fierce that's warriors. They, they could Sample be. Sample error. Yeah. They could be, they could be displaced human, humans themselves. Yeah. Like, yeah. Could that's be too easy. No, displaced humans is too easy. I, I like the. Um, I don't like displaced humans. I, like, I mean, that's fine. Easy. I'm just saying, like, the, those are, there's a number oh, of different ways you can go. I'll tell you who it could be. My all-time favorites when it comes to the the weird inside the Airy Peaks is the mushroom people. Yeah, I mean, that would be pretty good. Like The mushroom people could just be fed up. Yeah. It's time for fleshy my, things. My Cody, my, my Condrians, the, whatever they're called. Mykonids. Mykonids, Mykonids. Thank you. The it's Mykonids time, got mad. But it's time for the Mykonids <laughs> to rule. That's actually good. I actually like yeah. that a lot. So yeah. let's drift. Let, let, let's do one more drift. Yeah, and so yeah. the, reason, the reason I suggest that, right, like we know from other fantasy tropes and things like that, orcs often get like this really bad rap. And so we can actually just go right above that, elevate above it, and just pick a different group. Well, let me drift something else then. Let me, yeah, let me yeah. switch something else then. So instead of like turning themselves into like hyper competent warriors the sacrifice and the ritual will turn them into spore dispersing monstrosities that will turn everything they come in contact with mm-hmm. into more of them i love it so yes. now instead of instead of conquest by domination it's conquest by infection love it yeah it's great cool cool i take I just, the fun out of fungi <laughs> I, I put the I fun back did. in fungi <laughs> <laughs> so we, we've talked about how they're going to achieve their goals mm-hmm. then who runs it is the hive mind yeah there's like a hive mind of these of yeah. the myconids I've had some bad run-ins with those guys. Yeah, you did. Like a tank or something. So did, so did, so did Bob. Okay. Some sort so of what resources tank. do they have? The mushroom tank. They have hallucinogenic mushrooms. They, they, they basically have a bunch of hallucinogenic resources at their disposal that they can use to hypnotize, mesmerize, and coax people into their ranks. Plus they, plus, they have a cave full of themselves. So yep. they have actually, like a, they have, as a resource, they have uh, minions. Yep. Uh, they have land. They probably have some alliances, because if I remember correctly from uh, from the Airy Peaks, you have to get through the kobolds 
to get to those caves. Mm-hmm. And if you want to think that one step further, they could have made an alliance with the necromancer in the three pillar, the three pillar cavern. Sure. Mm-hmm. So then they could have undead on their side too. Yeah. And you know, then if we get a little fancier through some alchemy, they could be refining their hallucinogen into something less destructive and more recreational and selling it to the town. Of which no one knows that it's also full of spores. So you're like eating all these spores yep, for, just, you know, it'll flip you at some point. Yes. You know, you'll suddenly just burst open with mushrooms. <laughs> oh, that's so horrifying. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I feel like the kobolds is a good one too, because we had good interaction with the kobolds after our first encounter because yes. we brought them candy. So the kobolds are like Muppets. Yes. Like they play like Muppets. And I, we couldn't bring ourselves to slaughter them. So we were like, what do you guys want? They were like, bring us candy from the town. And we were like, poor Jerry has no idea what's going on. We're like, that's like it. That's what you, candy. that's like, that's what you want. Candy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we'll go get you candy. Like, and I feel like that interaction and the news of that spreading throughout the, the economy and foot, like, Hey, these people said that they made friends with the kobolds. Like that is very good to subvert their mm-hmm. threat. They're in league with the Mykonids now. And People are going to underestimate them. Well, they're your shillers then. They, yeah. They're going to sell the gear. Well, and on yeah. top of that, the kobolds are great at making traps and we need to capture yep. a bunch of people for souls. So maybe the kobolds are in on this. I'm also thinking like maybe a spore slime dipping tank. And some of the kobolds are a little bit more oofed up because they got dipped in the tank and given some additional whatevers. Yeah. So that if you want to throw a, a, a monkey wrench into the works as the players start going through the, the kobold minions, they can start encountering some that have slightly different abilities. Nothing too powerful, just something to kind of hint at the fact that something is happening. And eventually you've got this clue that can lead them to the fact that it has something to do with the mushroom people. I just like Plus that. it's just horrifying to just dip people in a bunch oh, of yeah, goo yeah, and yeah. have them come out all covered or, with fungus. Or find it later. Yeah. Like when you find somebody in the goo. Mm-hmm. Or mushroom caps that control people. Like there's just kobolds around with like these mushroom caps on, but the mushroom caps are like living things that are just mind controlling them. There's like a lot of minion things. Yep. Oh, you know what it is? It's like an interface to join the hive Correct. mind. Right. Like it's exactly yeah. what it is. We, we've discussed some of their resources. We are now point. smart kobold. Yeah. This is a very small or at the, at the moment, like it's got, yeah. it's got room that we can put yeah. more stuff right. into it if we want to, but our setting is essentially the airy peak. So that's what we're talking about. Dominating. Yep. The thing we're missing, I think is how is this thing structured? Mm-hmm. Like we haven't like okay. laid that out yet. Uh, if you want to start top down at the top, you're going to have the hive mind. Yep. Then below that, you're going to have the most powerful of the mushroom people. Cause it's a hive mind. There's a, there's a link between the leader on down. I like the idea that there's like three of them at the top because three is a good number. Sure. And then you're going to have the more common mushroom people Mm -hmm. and probably even the ones that they just are making specifically to be used as minions or whatever. And uh, adjacent to them in a same, in a similar line, you're going to have the kobolds. This feels like a conspiracy at this point. That's pretty good. And you're going to have your, you're going to have your kobolds that are infused. Then you're going to have your regular kobolds that are, they're loyal with the mushroom caps on. Yep. And the kobolds are just going along with this. And finally, you're going to have the kobolds that have no idea they're part of the whole thing to begin with. That's, that's cool. I like that idea. Okay. And then outside of that, you're going to have the people in the town. Yep. That, that, that are being yep. affected or the people that think that they can make a tidy profit off of this. Yeah. yeah. Be, could be both. Because for every evil organization, you're always going to have people that are not part of the organization, but are selfish enough to make money off of it regardless. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that'll, that'll be dealing with people on a regular basis. So you've got, you're going to have a, a pyramid on down that gets to a certain point and starts branching sideways instead of constantly going down because you'll have several of them that'll be at the same level and we'll give the players several places the GM can insert the players into the storyline to bring them towards that, that top. 
kind of funnels them up there. The other cool thing is if you ever want to have any one-off things or things like that, it's easy enough to just put a mushroom cap on somebody now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Find them everywhere. I mean, eventually through the, through the arc, the mushroom caps wind up on other creatures in other areas. Mm -hmm. Or you also catch them growing a really big one for the giants. That's how they recruit new members too. And then you can have, and you can have some interesting role playing situations like a Hydra that has two or three mushroom caps on it, <laughs> but not, the other but not ones. all the way around. Oh, that's or it is dealing with the problem of part of it's controlled, part of it's not. You could make a friend of a Hydra if you can get the other caps off. Yes. All right. Might not be bad to have a Hydra as a friend in the peaks. Yes. This opens up some opportunities for some encounters that aren't directly opposing the organization head on um, and can be the, you know, the enemy of my enemies, my allies. That's true. So. Sounds really funny. Like, I mean, it sounds ridiculous. Like, oh, like there's going to be these creatures running around with a mushroom cap on, on their head. But as we're talking about, I'm like, it's a terribly sinister idea. Like all of a sudden the players come around the corner and they're like, oh, no. <laughs> that ogre has a mushroom cap. Like, shit. It was already bad enough because it was an yeah. ogre. And now it's like an ogre plus. Yeah. Because there's definitely some sort of bonus that you get yeah, when linked course. to the hive mind. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It also gives how you, they recruit new members. This is how yeah. they recruit people. Yeah. Right. Like through the hallucinogens, through the mushroom caps, like that's how you bring people in. You know, what happens when you get back to town and somebody that, that, that the players know, you know, is now always wearing a large hat or a hood or something like <laughs> I that. I know, right? You know, and, and maybe the first time it's just they've got a new hat or new hood, but then they encounter somebody who's got that mushroom cap on. And oh no. Now you start to question, is that person still really one of our friends? Yeah. Or is that? Yeah. Not Keely the stable boy. Oh man. I think there's one piece that we're missing, mm-hmm. which is maybe two pieces. Like what ideals do these mushroom people have? Like what's their play? Like they don't like everybody else in the piece. They're fed up. That's, that was, that was what was. Presented yeah. I mean, again. cause, because when, when we encountered them through story, they were like a low level threat, uh-huh. yeah. but like maybe they weren't always a low level threat. Maybe they're the original inhabitants and ITOG. When ITOG was like, ah, these peaks look like a great place for me to make home. What's these mushroom things? <gasps> right. And just that's that's interesting because then their goal is because if you're if you're game mastering this, like ITOG's not gone. There's a part of him still around doing something. Sure. So then the mushroom people aren't against the adventurers. The mushroom people don't like ITOG. They want to reclaim the peaks, but also to never lose it again. And at this point, having had so many um fleshies traversing through the peaks that they're pretty much just done with flesh-based life and are like bags have been tromping through our caverns for centuries ruining of it ruining everything oh it could be more than that wouldn't the peaks be better run if everybody was just linked to the hive mind and then there'd be no dissension that's the board there'd be no crime exactly that is yeah that's the board and that's that's you know uh and then nobody could take their peaks back yeah by the way it's it's the the dr doom thing it's it's wouldn't the world be better if everybody just did what i said by the way reference our uh adversary uh file episode on hive minds for further information if you're stealing any of this like this is pretty transportable maybe transportable to your game it's least portable it very much fits inside you dump this into ebron in a second it would be totally good yeah so I think we hit the seven parts, right? Like I mean, how do they work. recruit members? Yeah. Boink. Yeah. Mushroom cap. Yeah. I, I think those are all seven pieces for how to create an evil organization. Now it's just fleshing it out and using them in your games. Yeah. Like the Mycanoid invasion. Or mm-hmm. Do we have anything else we want to say about this or, are we, or about evil organizations in general? Or should we just move on? I think that's no, good. I think it's good. That's I, think good. That's good. I hope this example is useful to people out there for how to build out an evil organization and some of the pieces that go along with it. I'm just going to note really quickly, this was ad-lib. Like, we script yeah. a lot of stuff on the show. This is not scripted. Yeah. You are listening to just us in our creative process. Yeah. 
move on to the conversation corner then. So let's let's talk about some stuff. Let's do some one things. Um, so I'll go first since we were just talking about it. Because why not? I, I actually got to run a game of Dungeon World for uh, for my Friday night group that because three of the people couldn't be there. Yeah. So I, I ran it in my uh, my campaign setting that Bob and Jerry are playing in at Eladara. Uh, the adventure took place in a city called Kingshaven, and uh, a bar got burned down. And sure enough, in their game, that bar is gone. <laughs> in in yeah in the in, regular in, in the D&D regular campaign. campaign because i have two campaigns already that are playing in the same world at the same time i just put this one shot right in the middle of that timeline i mean this is also a thing you did in uh the airy piece yes, where uh i actually remember uh once a uh adventure that we didn't take vanished from our list of adventures to take because uh you be now buff state had um it was Kragnarok at buff state and you ran that adventure and those people burned down some tree i forget what it was but we were going to do that adventure at one point and then it was gone yep yep it's a living living breathing world stuff happens when you're not there although i think chris had to reset it after we finished our campaign i did yeah. I, I i have a, i have like now iterations on it yeah okay. the um the, the reason i bring it up those is i'm curious about our listeners out there does anybody else have any games or campaigns that they're playing in that function that way i'm i'm, I'm very curious because i don't know of a lot of people that have those kind of games going on where they're running multiple campaigns in the same shared universe at the same time like i've heard people who run like a campaign and then another campaign in the same world and another campaign because this is this even the games that we're playing are not the first games yep. that have happened in this setting like i have previous campaigns that are impacting the games that we're playing but it is definitely not something that i hear of a lot i the, rarely the, play the same game twice so the the closest i came were two things more recently was when i was running um savage worlds in in the the, the lithic here campaign which was the um table source world generation that I've talked about a couple of times. Mm-hmm. That's also where I ran all of the convention and one shot games. And so things that happened in the campaign affected the one shots and the one shots affected the campaign. Yeah, that's forth. exactly what I'm talking and about. And so we fleshed those out. The bigger example of that would have been my college V and V campaign, which I've talked about multiple yeah, times because they played, you had multiple games going on at the we same had time, multiple games going on at the same time. We had um, several playing groups going on the, the Buffalo group and the group I had in college and the group I had after college were all, in the same universe, but we're doing different things. Um, and what one group did often influence another one. And we sometimes had guest stars and things like that that came in. Um, and that once we finally got the campaign stabilized a little bit more rigidly, and I had better storytelling and better rules. Um, a lot of that was, you know, you would have somebody, we'd run a one shot with just Chris's character and then Chris would go back to the main game. And then we'd have Bob would run a character he created on his own. We don't do a whole story there. And then two adventures down the line, what he did impacted the main campaign and vice versa. So that was always everything going on in that eight year game that we were running influenced everything else. Even when we shifted over to the multiverse, um, it turned out two years into that, that while that was a new game world, it was tied to the old one. And some of the things that happened in the old one had a direct influence on what happened in the new one. And they found out that what spawned the new one was an event that went badly in the old one. Um, so we've done that. And it's, it's, it's fun. Just got to keep track of it. And the so, pl- okay. That's yeah. the thing that I want to ask people too. Yeah. Is, and I, I would, I would like to talk about this at some point in the yeah. future is how do people manage that stuff? Because mm-hmm. it's, it's managing. You have to manage a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff so that you can make sure that things stay consistent. It's the continuity management. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a comedy. And it's I'm a, not saying we asked to that question now. No, I'm, I'm saying, saying in the future. It's a good pin because there's a combination of, of, of prep work and aftermath. Uh-huh. So yeah. Ding. Yes. 
right, working every, campaign management. Yes. Uh, everything else. So I, I watch, finished watching Stranger Things season four. I'm looking forward to season five. I love Miss Marvel. I think it's a great show. I can't wait to, but, but yeah, I can't wait to watch the episode tonight because I will at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, I've been watching The Boys. That's a really, I mean, cool. so my one sentence on The Boys is, while it is disturbing and grody at times and way too gory, there's a really good story there, surprisingly. Like, I was not expecting the quality of story there. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I've been exercising a bunch. That was fun. I went and ate out twice this week, and both times I got to sit outside, so I was, you know, fairly safe. We had sushi at a really lovely restaurant that I that I, we spent way too much money at, and then we went to the Anchor Bar, the four of us together, for uh, dinner on Sunday and sat I, on the patio. I will say this. I'm normally a Duff Sky over Anchor. That Anchor Bar location, which is good. actually, uh, ge- it is geographically between Bob and I, like you can get to both of our houses. One, uh, the outside was nice. And two, those wings were actually good. Although I did not get their actual hot sauce. I got Chipotle barbecue, but that Chipotle barbecue was righteous. Tasty. Yeah. Very tasty. All right, Bob. Yeah. So, uh, my one thing, um, I wanted to mention stranger things. Um, no spoilers yet because Phil hasn't finished watching it, but I will cut you. It was first of all, (laughs) (laughs) I want to applaud the Duffer brothers. Because they went into this thing and said, season four, we're going to tell the story in the number of parts we want to tell it at the pace we want to tell it. So I don't remember all of the details on the first part. It was nine episodes. Mm -hmm. The first seven, they dropped it once on Netflix. And then they waited a few weeks and then they dropped the last two episodes. The last two episodes were an hour and 22 minutes, I believe. And two hours and 22 minutes. It was long. But that's like the perfect use of that medium. Exactly. They went in and said, this episode needs to be X amount long because this is the amount of stuff we want to give you in this particular chunk. Yep. And they just went and they did it. And to me, if you're going to do this kind of streaming TV, you make the episodes however long you want. Yep. Yep. They kind of did that a little bit with like the Netflix Marvel shows. And now with the Disney plus Marvel shows where like this one is 45 minutes, this one's 52 minutes. But for the most part, the Netflix ones were really super close. Yeah. I think, I think, I think all the Netflix Marvel ones were, were number one, almost all nearly the same length. And also they were all like, we're going to tell you 13 episodes, even though we've only got six episodes they, of the story. They locked them into 13 episodes. Yeah. That, was, that was the, the yeah. negative part. That's the order, yeah. But the time of the length of the episodes, there was a variance okay. because I remember it. It wasn't huge, yeah. but the, the, the big, an hour, hour, like 61 minutes, I think was okay. like roughly, especially Punisher. Punisher hit the hour mark quite a few times, yeah, it did. but the it low end hard. was like, 48 minutes, 47 minutes, stuff in there. So there was a variance. Yeah, they, okay. they just they took the, the, yeah. the reins off all that now. Like, but now, like anymore. the Disney Plus ones, there's been a much bigger variance in some of those episodes. Mm-hmm. I mean, WandaVision had an episode that was like 32 minutes, I think, if I'm recalling. Some of them were 22. Yeah. Some of them yeah. were sitcom, like, on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. On purpose. So, like, the Duffer brothers were like, we're going to tell the story the way we want to tell the story. Boom, here you go. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that the finale was... I think it was a little too long. Personal personal preference. I think it was a little too long. They could have they could have shaved some bits here and there. But what they did in a lot of places was they gave you um, character bits, character arcs, where you had characters conversing with each other, character character interaction, mm-hmm. and tension builders. Mm-hmm. Lots of tension builders, so that when you get to certain moments, you're all like, "Oh man, what is going?" Like, nah. They did a real nice job. I feel like 
in the things I'm behind on, which is all of them, <laughs> I feel like I need to prioritize Stranger Things. Like, yes. I, I'll let you guys tell me. In terms of what should I catch up on? What should I what should I com- catch up and complete first? I'm because I'm behind on everything because of a couple of weeks ago with my son's graduation. So I, I still need to watch Stranger Things. I'm a few episodes behind on Ms. Marvel, and I have two episodes of Obi Wan. Um, given given those three things, okay. tell me the order I should go so finish here, everything. Here's what, the way that you should watch them and why you should watch them. This okay, way. you should watch Stranger Things because you can. Like you can just watch the whole thing right now. Okay. Otherwise, I would say watch Miss Marvel because one, I mean, Stranger Things is probably better than Miss Marvel. I would say, but I love Miss Marvel, and it's not done yet. So, sure. like, you can't just binge it. And sometimes you get that thing where you just want to watch the rest of it. Sure. Um, of the three shows that were mentioned, Obi Wan's the worst of them. Okay, and I liked Obi Wan. Obi Wan's good. So, so Obi Wan, so Obi Wan's the weak link, and I don't consider that a terrible weak link. Yeah. Um. All right. So then I'll just I'll go in that order. And and, and the only caveat I would say to that is. That because the the Stranger Things episodes are so big, yeah. If you need more digestible chunks, yeah. Then you know, knock out Miss Marvel. Yeah. Now I think I think I'm just I'm gonna just, just wait for Miss. I feel like this is I feel like this is gonna be big TV watching. It's, like I watched I watched the first part of Stranger Things on my iPad, like while eating breakfast, like eating dinner. But I feel like these last episodes demand that I go sit on the couch screen. and yeah. put the big screen on. Yeah. And, Okay, cool, cool. Sorry. Sorry to stretch it out, but no, I just wanted fine. to... I knew we were going to digress a little bit yeah. because of the nature of that particular yeah. topic. Everything but, else. Um, so besides that, we had our Ox game, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, loving that campaign, and I, I'm so looking forward to every session when we're it comes We're all spoiled up. for games right now. Too yeah. many good ones. Super spoiled for games. We are in actually a very... Uh, we're actually in a very great place right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, still playing way too much Valheim. <laughs> <laughs> no such thing. <laughs> no such thing. Um... And all I will say about Valheim is that, that uh, because I am the builder, like I like love building and, and creating. Come on, stuff. man. This shit writes itself. I know. Bob it's, the Builder. Is he fucking Bob the Builder? Bob the Builder. Bob the builder. Can, can he build it? it? I actually don't know the build song. Yes, I never he watched can. It but anyway, um, I just did a complete remodel on our on our spawn base yes, we did. because I needed to. Oh, I need to play so, now. Um, Ms. Marvel, as we said, um, such kiss. a good show. Such a good show. They're doing such a nice job. Um, Strange New Worlds, the the penultimate episode of the season was wow. glorious, and I love what they're doing. They're taking, I, I'm stretching this one, but th- real quick, they're taking things that were here's the thing from the original series. It came up like once in one episode for a little bit. It didn't have a lot of flesh on the bone, and they're going, "What can we do with that?" Okay, we're going to take it. And we're going to spin it off to mm-hmm. this. All right. Gorn, for example. So good. All I got to say is big dude in a lizard suit fighting Kirk on a planet. That, that ain't what we're getting right now. They, they, they took that and they said, we can do better. Yeah. <laughs> we can do better. Yes, they can. Let's just, let's just yeah. say that based on what they've revealed so far of the Gorn, I'm terrified when They're they get scary. to the big, when they get the big dude in the, yeah. in the rubber suit. Oh, to, if, like if level they, if they Gorn. get to a big dude, yeah, yeah there's yeah. going to be problems. Um, so that that's glorious. Um, and because uh, Queen Senda was just you know, like when she loves when she, when she loves, loves something. Show, yes, she she, she how calls I watch, it out. That's how I watched She-Ra. That's how yeah. I got to She-Ra eventually. Yeah, so I started watching the Owl House. She was great. And the Owl House, she's right. It's very good. Um, I'm getting a lot of Kipo vibes from it. There's there's certain things about theme and stuff like that mm-hmm. that, that match up well with Kipo. Um, but very cool. And it's got and now I can't think of her damn name. Um, Wendy Malik. Wendy Malik. 
Sure. She was in Just Shoot Me. Yep. She yes, was in, Malick. That's yeah. Malick. She was in uh, uh, um, Bunch Emperor's New Groove. Pretty yeah. sure she's a Buffalo native, too. She is a Buffalo native, and she is the, the voice of the witch character. Okay. Um, that is the thing we actually have. I love having these discussions about this stuff. I don't think I understand this everything else section. Because <clears throat> we're, we're bad at it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. supposed to do it like I did it, right? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. we're, they're not we're, doing what they're supposed to do. Because we're bad at it. Yes. Bad at it. Yes. yes. So, so that's good. It's supposed to be one sentence on each so, thing. So, and that's so Jerry, it. what's your one thing? Yes. My, one thing, along? my, one, my one thing was Ox. We, we did it. We did Ox this week. And um, this was, we finally came face to face with one of the recurring adversaries in the game which this is a game where there is no combat there are literally no rules for combat we are spacefaring alien super geniuses running around solving major emergencies like fire canes and stuff like that and we have found, we finally came upon the one of the, the 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 bad guy that's been kind of ahead of us for a couple of sessions and is he really a bad guy or just so, misguided he's, he's a bad just misguided. he's a bad guy He's a bad guy. I, I, I'm going. I'm going on record. He's a bad guy. He's a bad. He's a bad Maybe guy. He just needs to be loved. No, he's a bad guy. Um, so he, we got thrown in. I'll, I'll explain why. So we 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 finally catch up with them, and when we catch up with them in their warship, um, the ship is dead in space, and as soon as we come through, um, our sentient ship suddenly loses all power and connectivity, and there are five nuclear powered ships on their way to us in a couple of hours, and so now the crisis isn't saving a planet. The crisis is save ourselves. And, and, and maybe the bag and maybe the bad guys maybe. and not Tam. it was it was <laughs> tam is, is chris's character um so it was a combination of once again the really cool you know how can we do this thing because one of the rules that phil's instituted in the game is that um there's never a question of um can we do this it's a question of how uh, and will we succeed at it so when it becomes so, for example, our power went down. My character is a biologist. He's like, "All right, I'm going to go back and find the pollen that we that we got from the last adventure that mutated because I screwed up, and I'm going to use that to make a self-replicating bioengineering photonic power source." I didn't mention it while we were playing, but I thought that was a really clever mm-hmm. so, yeah. use of previous story to build <clears throat> something in the game. And so that became my thing. And Bob's character is just very, very good at fixing things. So he went around bringing systems back up online. So as soon as we had power, things were going. Chris is our code breaker and our communications guy and actually communicated with the other ship. And then when we realized that they were worse off than us, we basically said, well, screw them. Uh, and actually it was nice because I hate those guys that removed some tension from yeah. our group. Cause we were, so instead of, cause my first concern was what if they get power up before we do? And once we realized, Oh no, they're not going to get power up at all because they've got one deranged super genius and we've got three super geniuses who are better than they are anyway. Um, and so that became, and then when we finally got a chance to encounter them again, there was personal tension. Cause one of the, cause the main adversary is Bob's character's brother. There was um, tension because Bob's character's brother was leading the group that killed tam's parents yep. and so that's a problem there was yeah. a there was a do we save them don't we save them how do we save them um some running jokes in this because when i brought the pollen orb forward with all of its tentacles i didn't mean to say that i created a sentient life source i meant an animate life source but as soon as i said sentient that became a thing in the game it's like, talk. It started like making it's like doing things <laughs> yeah it started doing things and of course likes tam the players all play, and of course because bob and chris are such really great players they played right into it 
Bob was creeped out by it. So was I. <laughs> Until you made the thing for my ear, then I was okay. Yeah, Tam, Tam was having a time. Phil was having it gently caress their heads in a, in a loving, soothing way. It was a lot of fun. It felt great. Loving, yeah. soothing, or sizing it up for eating. Yeah. Like, it's hard to tell the difference. Mm, well, I, got a big that's brain. only, that's just it. a one on the die away from happening, right? <laughs> uh, we had crystal says, I trust these things. Polly's good. Um, and then we got a chance to, to, to meet with the alien species that came up with trying to be my character species, which I have, we haven't encountered in the game since. Um, so it was a lot of negotiation. And so they became friends. They looked like enemies initially, and then they became friends. And we learned <clears throat> a ton of lore about what's going on and what the next step of the game is going to have mm-hmm. to be. Um, all this wrapped up into a tight little three and a half hour package with action, adventure, um, drama, super tension, humor, character interaction, a cool mechanical effect, all the super geniusy things we like to do. Yep. I mean, this thing was this thing was fun and cinematic and played like good television. Yeah, a super great session. And you know, things that tied into both current events and character backstories. All in one session. I mean, this is stuff that people play whole campaigns for. We got it in one session. I, I we get it every session. This was um, this was a really well done session. I will say this is kind of the culmination of. Um, I've been over the last couple of weeks. I I like Chris and I would chat on Mondays after the game. And we're to the point where like I got to the point where um, I now prep this game like in two layers. Like I prep the story layer of the game where I like figure out like what information am I passing on to you guys? Mm-hmm. What's the like general story that we're doing? But then the second layer that I write is I now write the mechanical parts mm-hmm. to hook into the story. In the first ones, I wasn't so savvy with the mechanics. And so I was pushing a lot of story, but it really wasn't like working the mechanics to the like, like to the story. Mm -hmm. But like, as we've been playing and kind of experimenting with things and discovered that like when you put distinctions, when you put a lot of distinctions out there, um, it makes things a lot more uh, difficult because I can start harvesting more dice for my pool. Like just over the last couple of sessions, we've like, we've had a, um, I've been able to kind of like just step up. Um, and I thought like, I mean, there was, and I had a lot more mechanical stuff that you guys didn't see because I had anticipated a couple different routes for you guys to go to solve the problem. Not so to be clear, not the solution, Mm -hmm. but what thing like, like your solution was actually the second one I had, which was build a shield around the ship to protect it from the EM field. Mm -hmm. But I also had, what if you just want to like repower like the thrusters? Yeah. And I had, what if you want to like turn the EM field back on the thing that's generating it? Like I had one, like I had a, I had a yeah. thing mechanically for all of those. So I didn't have to wing it because yeah. I think when I wing it, it doesn't always come off. Um, when I wing things and I know this about me, I will wing things better. I will wing things with a leaning towards the story, not the mechanics. When I prep, I have the time to sit and say, okay, mechanically, how can I make this go? Yeah. Uh, on the bright side too, by having those like those things to work from, if something happens in between those or not exactly like that, you could just rely on one of those to be the mechanical yeah. base for what you're doing. Exactly. Right. Like the more and the more I like the more I toy with the mechanics in the game, the more comfortable I'm getting with them in general. Yeah. And I was going to say this, the, the, just that there's now uh, a deepening comfort level with the Cortex Prime system. Yeah. That, we're our learning curves moving. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've really settled into this and, and Phil can explore some some more. Uh, in-depth ways to to engage the mechanics with the story. Yeah, we, like we did some weird ones. Like we mm-hmm. did hidden, we did hidden distinctions where yeah. um, I put them on the table, but didn't name them. I just like put a question mark and put dice on it so that you guys knew something's like there's yeah. something for you to discover. And this was the thing Chris and I had talked about. This is the thing you can discover. I'm going to just go ahead and use it because I know what it is. Yeah. yeah. Like, 
and, and I think that there's a lot of that having a lot of the we, we use the dry race three by five cards for putting things on the table. And I think we discussed this one or two uh, podcasts ago that that is a huge help towards um, keeping everybody involved in the story. So those things you don't forget because having them on the table, it's like, OK, we've got these things going on. These are the active parts of the scene. And as soon as Phil starts saying, OK, you know, um, this is what's going on. Let me tell you what's happening here for a second. And so you've got, you know, um, a multi-phasic shift going on and you've got, um, hyped up super engines that, that, that Bob fixed last, fixed last week. And, um, right now Aux is talking in six languages because Tam got his, his code working and we've got, you know, uh, explosive gas leak because Gree tried to fix something in the lab and all the, all on the table immediately. If you don't put those distinctions on the table like that, you're making the game really hard on yourself and on yeah. your players. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. That, that's what, <clears throat> but it's also but, part of the game. Like these but, 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 but it, should be on the table, mm-hmm. but it's something, but it's something you can do in games that don't have a mechanic for it as well, because, yes. because it yes. sets this, I was looking at, uh, four years ago, I started gaming with this group on a regular basis with things. And that's when you were running for the queen. And I think I was in your Dungeon Worlds game that we were playing where I was a salamander. It was Airy Peaks. Long live the queen. Yeah, we were, playing long online. we were playing online, right? Yeah, yep. but but you were still telling us things and sometimes putting things, you, you were putting things on the, on, the, on the board for us. Yeah. And so I looked at a game that I was running and I realized we were running a, uh, a game of, I think it might have been uh, Swords Not Master. And I have pictures where I've got a table with like 15 little three by five cards on it as we kept naming things and putting things on the table. And I realized that game went better than any game I've run before for my home group, for my other home group, because all of those things were visible to everybody all the time. So this goes into two things. Mm-hmm. This goes into the discussion that um, I think I talked a little bit about it last week with my Gnome Stew article, the idea that um, our brains have a lot of visual processing capabilities mm-hmm. and that um, even when you're not using battle mats and minis, the idea of just, you know, putting things down on the table on cards or, you know, just even a piece of paper and yep. writing stuff or like a quick the, sketch. the doodles and things like that, the more you can engage people's visual processing, the better people will hold on to the shared narrative space. Now, for Cortex, it just turns out that that is also a mechanical thing, just like fate. But Jerry's right. It doesn't have to be. You could just, in the middle of a game, like if we're playing the Airy Peaks, you could be like kobolds, like put it on the table, you know, mushroom caverns and put it next to the kobolds. I'll I'll, I'll do you one better. In Chris's D&D game that he's running right now for Bob and I and Bridget and Jen, um, we had a whole social encounter adventure where Chris put a bunch of folded three by five cards to the table with Pathfinder character cards in front of them with pictures. And until we talked to the person, we didn't know who they were, but we could tell that they were somebody important, that they were people we had to interact with. And then once we had them, we had the notes for them on the table and that made it easier to, to, to monitor the, 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 the moral of the story that we are beating around the bush yes. on really hard is that whatever game that you're playing, whatever visual media that you decide to present to your players on the table is the thing that you can utilize to help make the game flow better for everybody. Ding, we're going to do this as a yeah. topic. It's yes. like visual media as a yeah. thing. Yeah. It should yeah. be a ding topic. We're going to do, we're going to do this topic. Somewhere down the road, we're going to do a whole bunch of cortex. Yes. Yeah. Because that's a thing. I already started wearing the scripts. And, uh, <laughs> and the other, the last thing I wanted to mention about, um, about that ties into, so that I'm going to go back to that distinction with the question mark on it ties back into last week's episode that by putting it out on the table, it drives gameplay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it tells you, there is a thing to be discovered mm-hmm. and it will lead you into playing to find out what it is. Yep. 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 If I just, if I was just randomly picking up a D12 oh, yeah. and putting it into my pool, 
Yes, it's kind of the same, but it is very different. When I just like I made I took a card, I wrote a big question mark on it. I stuck a D12, which is the biggest die in Cortex. Right. So it's like sitting there and it's like, what the hell is that? And if there's any doubt in the players minds at all about what direction they should go. Yep. There's a thing that they get. Yeah, with. absolutely. Yep. Okay. All right. All right. Well, so, right so, again, so, we're terrible. At air, no, 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 no. That was one thing. No, no, no. no, no, no that's no, fine. Now, now, wait. No, wait. That was my one thing. Yes. That is supposed to be a deep dive. No, you're, you're everything else better be like five yeah, seconds. We did kind of stretch that. <laughs> no, but, no but, that, but that was all game story. So that was a good roundtable discussion. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So everything else. Miss Marvel's amazing. I'm just going to say, watch it. I'm excited to see what's going on this week. It is amazing, Marvel. And the people that say that it's least watched just don't know why they're not watching it. Strange Two Worlds is amazing. Second best Trek I've ever seen. And it, every episode is better than the one before. And Valheim is great. I love playing with Bob and Chris and Glenn. And Bob and I get on almost every night and build stuff. And it's just, it's if it's a fun building game that you get to kill monsters with. I took a week off to edit podcast and video. That's right. There you Phil. go. All right, my one thing, uh, it won't be terribly new to everybody. I was, I've been playing a lot of Minecraft. Um, I've been playing our old, um, our old season pack, season three pack. And um, I just, I've, I've gotten to um, the point I have. So I don't know. I talk about this, but I have these, um, I have these power tiers in Minecraft, like early, mid and late game. Um, like early game is like when you have very little resources, um, you can't do very much and you're like just trying to survive. Mid is like when uh, you start to have enough resources to cover all your basic stuff, plus to start building into some of the other mods. And then like late is like you can start doing some really ridiculous stuff, like the end game stuff for like the really powerful mods like mech and astral sorcery and things like that. So I am like firmly somewhere in the middle of the, of the middle tier or almost at the border of the high level tier. So like I secured my flight ring. So I now have creative flight. Uh, I have more than enough resources to get whatever I want done to the point where I was like, Oh, I want to upgrade this thing. I think I'll build three machines um, I'll teach the auto crafters how to make a bunch of stuff for me so I don't have to make things anymore. So yeah, I mean, I've now, t- I'm, I've got auto crafting digital storage, but I also like, I started with this like wooden house butted up against a mountain. Cause I love, um, I love going into mountains and remodeling them. So I got to, I'm looking at this house and I'm like, this thing does not match my tech level anymore. And so luckily we had a mod that had uh, building tools and one of them was the exchange gadget. So I looked at, I'm like, I, I like the structure of this house. I just don't like the materials anymore. It was made of like log and, and wood planks. So I replaced it all with um, basalt where the logs were for the framing and marble. And then like went through it and like with chisel and cleaned up all the marble and all the. So like, it's still the same building, but it looks yeah. now it looks modern because I'm like no longer like digging a hole to survive, right? Like I now have a factory, I have a computer core and all that stuff. to Rockwell? Yeah. But you know, and the thing is like, I'm, so I'm at the point where I think I'm going to go, um, uh, kick the crap out of the end dragon. Nice. Like I'm, I'm, and that's usually not an easy task, but I'm far enough into the game where I'm like, ah, I could take them. Like, this isn't going to be a fight. Like I will, I, I got creative flight. I built myself this badass cleaver that's doing like 14 something damage i'm like nah nah we'll be good anyway that's my minecraft everything else uh, i did a bunch of cooking this weekend i had my kids over i um t- took another run at french toast i make good french toast now just confirming that i made some chinese barbecue pork this weekend that was good um i watched the live action ghost in a shell I'm not going to say this is a good movie and obvious and obviously there's some controversy surrounding the casting. And I think that's legitimate. um, That's Mm -hmm. a legitimate complaint about the movie, but I was tired. I was laying on the couch and it was on TV and I was like, 
fuck it, I'm going to watch it. No regrets. Like, it was fine. I've seen it before and it matches up close enough to the anime in places. Like, whatever. It was fine. Uh, we played Ox, played Minecraft Strange New World, and I watched Multiverse of Madness. And I have I, I have dual feelings about it. It's a good movie. No, no. Good movie. Um, I just where want to talk about Wanda? I'm just a little, about Wanda I'm a little yeah. sad about I'm a little show. I'm a little sad about Wanda. Say that Bring for the after show. show. That's fine. Let's roll on. It's a great movie. I love it. So yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. All right. So as you can see, Phil, I've got one highlighted. Oh, thank you. So let's get into the Patreon shoutouts. Thank you so much for patroning us, Brandon Barnes, Brandon Michael Smith, Brantley Harris, Brian King, Brian Kurtz, Chris Steele, Cubano. Eileen Barnes, Eric Mengi, and Heptilemma. And thank you to everyone for listening to this podcast. I felt like the Patreon's needed music in the background. If you are free on Tuesday evening, no. No, no, no. The old notes. Where did that closing come from? I don't know. I, I, this isn't my, these aren't my notes. All right, hang on. I made a whole new thing. Hang okay? on. I can, I'm just going to wing this. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts, or if you want to catch the video version of us, check us out on the YouTube. Yeah. We're putting up video content of the main segment of the show. You can check it out there if you want to see our lovely faces, or if you got a friend that you keep saying, like, you should listen to this podcast. And they're like, I don't do podcasts. Then shoot them the videos. Let them watch. Let them watch our new video content. It'll be worth it. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. That's that. Now. While you're checking out our videos and our podcasts, check out the other podcasts that we have wherever you get your podcasts. This is some of the shows of the Star Trek Mark Network, such as They're a Super Geek, Mastering Dungeons, Bone Stone and Obsidian. I cannot wait to learn more about Dark Sun. The FM Gamers, Pat is Talking Games, The Gnome Cast, Zhang Hu Hustle, The Lounge, Bonus Experience, and the awesome back episodes of She's of Super Geek. You can and should also check out our sibling podcasts, Tabletop Bellhop, The Knights of the Night, and the all-new GM Mastermind. I'll be there. Then give us some feedback. You can reach us. I mean, I was going to let Phil do it, but he was looking at his phone. You can reach us directly at this old school email thing that do people still use. Apparently I, yes. I, I people do use the it. old fashioned emails. Yeah. MMP at misdirectedmark.com. Um, or you can go to Twitter at misdirected Mark. The guy to my left that you can't see or can see is Robert M. Everson. Jerry GM Jerry Manders on the opposite side of me at DNA. Phil is across from me and I am the light one Oh one. Hey, if you like what we do here and on the other shows in the Misdirected Mark Network, I almost fumbled that one. You can support our Patreon campaigns, please. It would be it would be fabulous to have more patrons. Uh, MMP Mastering Dungeons and Pandas Talking Games are at patreon.com slash MMP. Zhangu Hustle is at patreon.com slash Zhangu Hustle. And Bonus Experience is at patreon.com slash bonus experience. Patrons of MMP Mastering Dungeons and Pandas Talking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies of which I came up with an idea for another one. Oh, good, good. That Senda, I think, would love. Uh, the Bamboo Lounge and other special releases. Isn't it just a dollar for most of that stuff? Can be. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, uh, it's gonna, it might be a lot further on there, but there are going to be some fun video outtakes from this week's show. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, this has been a misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Mic drop. We out.